From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we are the Fool for the Fans of Bleed Blue Show in the Kabaka Avenue Fan Forum. In between games, uh, we could talk about a good win uh, on Tuesday night versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, getting off that four-game losing streak, uh, a bad time to go on a short uh, game losing streak. We've got upcoming games, or tough games within the division versus the Celtics. you got up in the game versus the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, starting uh, tomorrow night, which would be Thursday night and Saturday, uh, in Brooklyn and Boston back-to-back. Those are tough games, man. They need to find a way uh, to get off the uh, – they had to get off the Schneider versus Cleveland, and they played Cleveland pretty well this year. They have. They really have. Um, and then you got the Lakers at home, who actually played pretty well. The Lakers have played pretty good basketball. So three tough up- upcoming games. We got to talk about it, man. So, me, I had to play a lot of catch up since last week, uh, as far as the Knicks, because I didn't really see, I didn't see none of the games live. I had to catch it on replay and feedback, things of that nature. But uh, somebody's gonna have to explain to me uh, how, uh, why, or how we lost to the Hawks and in that Toronto. Like, do, uh, do we struggle? Like, are we literally the worst team in the division? Because Toronto plays exceptionally well against us, right? Like, why do we have issues with Toronto? Um, but I did like the way the Knicks did respond. Big night by Julius Randle versus the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, uh, good win, you know. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had some sparks in that fourth quarter, but the Knicks uh, made it through. They almost kind of botched it at the end. Uh, R.J. Uh, Barrett uh, airballed that three when it was wide open, but uh, the Knicks uh, survived and. Uh, at Boston, at Brooklyn, in, in the Lakers. But um, let's talk about it, man. Nickelbacker Avenue Fan Forum. Dominic, what's up, bro? How you doing, man? How's everything, man? Good evening, Steven. Welcome home. Good evening, man. <laughs> How you doing, man? What's up? How you doing? I, I can't complain, Steve. You know that, man. That was a great day. Mm. Good good game last night. I don't want to hear no yeah, negatives. Yeah, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, what what yeah, what was your what was your thoughts on it, man? Uh, I definitely I should have ch- checked your Twitter timeline uh, last night on during the game if you were tweeting, but um, yeah, man, what are your thoughts on that game last night? Yeah, here's the weird thing, Steve, and I said this. I remember telling you that I wasn't for or against the Donovan Mitchell trade, so I I was neutral. But last night was another. I hate to say typical Donovan Mitchell game, 24 points, 24 shots, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons I was scared about getting him, unless they were going to give up R.J. Barrett, because both of them have them same sort of nights far too many times. Them get you 20 points, but on 20 shots. So that's not efficient basketball. So – it was a, it was a great win, man. I don't want to hear nothing. I don't know uh, who who was they missing last night. I mean, uh, we got to get over that. They they basically had their whole lineup, and the Knicks just outplayed them. I mean, it was a close game. Don't get it twisted. But you know, once again, Julius Randle 
as much shit as they give him, he digs in his bag of tricks and somehow helps pull out a lot of these victories, whether it's scoring, rebounding, assists. I don't know, Steve. I think people really got to get off this, you know, this Julius Randle nine-month, you know, escapade, trade him, sell high. You know, what do you have after him? R.J. Barrett? Mm, all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll digress for now, but it was a great win. Yeah, I'm not on that. You already know. Like we, we need Julius. Yeah. Right if we're if we're gonna compete, I mean, do we really want to go back to the Hornacek, David Fisdale years, Garrett Fisher years? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Why would we want to do that? We have a, actually a viable product to put up a, you know, put up on, on the court on a nightly basis. They'll win some and they'll lose some, but they'll compete. You know, we we, we figured we, they were about a seven eight seed. You know, as far as uh, where they ranked in the Eastern Conference. Um, but I look at it like they needed this win more than anything. After you know, we we talked about it last week versus the Warriors. You guys said that was the worst game the Knicks played all year, and then they followed it up with the loss in Atlanta. See, I didn't see that game either, and honestly, I didn't even watch the uh, any highlights. I didn't even bother because. You know, it looked like they played no defense in that game. Shit, it looked like the last two games by the, going by the score, they played no defense. So am I accurate in that assessment, Dom, as far as versus the Hawks and that Toronto? Like, what happened in those two games from your lens? That that was, Steve, I hate to say this, because you know me and my numbers. When you yeah. look at how the Knicks have been playing, like I said, Second in points, second in field goal percentage against, three-point percentage against, first in rebounds. Now you're missing one of the key ingredients of that in Mitchell Robinson. But that being said, that, that was probably, Steve, with the numbers I just gave. That, only to me, I can't speak for everybody on the planet, but to me, that's what made those games the ugliest and worstest. We thought it was the Wizards until that shit happened. You know, you're talking a hundred and what, twenty something points, a hundred and thirty something points, yeah, hundred and thirty nine, and then a hundred and twenty five. That's not the Knicks, man. That's not a trend, that's a blip. And I think those are the losses that really you know what? Everybody wants the next guy, you know, the next great thing. You know, uh Jericho Sims can be the next great well, now it's time for him to prove it. You know, you're getting your opportunity. We we can't fall off that hard missing one guy. I understand Robinson's role, don't get me wrong, but you can't fall off that rapidly because you're missing one guy. And you know what? They almost sort of kind of came a little bit back to earth last night. Cleveland to 103. And they're averaging, I think, about 114. So, and you won that game against what, Steve? The Knicks are two out of, what, two and one against the Cavs this year? I think. I think mm-hmm. we beat them two out of three. So, hey, you know, we, we can't beat the good teams, they say. Well, now's the time that we basically have to. I, I always go back to this, Steve. You remember the bubble season? when you kept talking about that stupid prediction I made. But you were the one that kept saying, man, we got to put some wins in the bank because the schedule is and, – and that's what we did. We put the wins in the bank, and we actually did good. 
during that stretch of the season we thought was going to be hard, and we maintained the fourth seed. That's where I got that mentality and that saying about getting wins in the bank before it gets really rough. It was you. You brought that shit up. That's the first time I ever heard it, and they did it. So we, we got a tough stretch, Steve, but we, we got to pull out one, maybe two, and see what happens. I mean, we can't just cash it in and say, oh, the schedule's getting tough. We just, what, don't show up? You got to play, so... I don't know, Steve. Yeah, it's going to be a little rough. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. I will. I would like to address that point. But first, hold on. Uh, get the money in the uh, in the bag, Ray. It's been, about to be a stick up, man. Um, I already see it coming. Oh. Back. Dom, put the All money right. in the sack right now. Everybody, get your motherfucking hands up in the air. Get on the floor. Anyway, what's going on, fellas? What's going on, fellas? Uh, Apologies for my tardiness. It's hard to find parking in New York City, as we already know. But let's let's just address some things that that Dom just just alluded to, because he's absolutely right. It's very rare that that Dom's ever wrong. So, so let's just put let's just call the spade in the spade. The Knicks. They pulled out a, a you know a gutsy win last night. They are two out of three o- o- over the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it was a much needed win, especially in a game where they were leading by 13 at some point. They gave the lead away. They they kind of reclaimed it, and then they fought down the stretch to stop you know a Donovan Mitchell and those Cleveland Cavaliers. You know for, you know who's pretty much has had a lot of teams' number. But for some reason, the Knicks have fared fairly well against them, especially playing at home, where they're terrible usually. Go figure. But let's address the other, you know, these other games. The game against the Washington Wizards. The game against the, the Atlanta Hawks. The game against the Toronto Raptors. Games that, you know, in, in, in more, in, in a lot of theories, we should have won. We, we had leads in just about all of those games. There were times where the Knicks looked like they were on coast control and all they had to do was just lock down guys, you know, in every so often, every so often, so other um, possession, maintain the lead, and then win the game. But for some reason, our Knicks like to play dangerous. And they like the games to be very close, get decided within the, you know, between three and five points, and it really comes down to free throws, which is a game that the Knicks are not winning. And I'm starting to wonder, isn't free throws, like, you know, like the funda- like, like just basic fundamentals, you against the basket, and the Knicks, in terms of free throw percentage, I know that the numbers might be deceiving, but if you count the amount of missed free throw opportunities that the Knicks are, are being presented with and they're putting up on, on a constant basis, Especially in the fourth quarter, when you know when they have a tendency to already have the team, their opponent on the penalty. Why they are not cashing in on those those opportunities? I don't understand it. Look, Jalen Brunson, he's had you know you know he, he's still I still consider him a godsend. Very much consider a godsend. Such a such a, such a blessing that we have him on our team. But what I've already been been predicting for a long time has started to happen. He could he can't consistently carry a team 
night in and night out, you know, every single game. It's just not possible. Not, not even the great players can do that. They can do it about 80% of the time. But then there's that, you know, you know that, that, that ninth or tenth game where they just they don't have it or shots are not dropping or they're just a little bit flat-footed or whatever the case may be. And this is where, you know, usually where Julius Randle is having a great game, he's, you know, he, he's, he's scorching the opposition in, in, in the first and second quarter, but then for some reason the rest of the team hasn't picked up, which is something that I'm really getting annoyed with because we're another week on, another week has passed. We've been, you know, we're down on Mitchell Robinson. We need big men. We have three players that are that are constantly being talked about in trade that trade negotiations. You know, if you if you listen to Nick's Twitterverse, and then we have all those draft picks that we've you know that, that we're I'm pretty damn sure we're not going to use them all. Why hasn't there a deal been made, or at least like of the fruition of of, of 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 any kind of deal? Any kind of groundwork for a deal has ever been occurred with the Knicks yet. You saw the Lakers just make a deal yesterday, or was it early today? And I'm just wondering to myself, when are the Knicks going to address some of these, you know, these these holes in the roster? Because let's just be, let's just call them out. They need more shooting. They now need a backup center. They need to address, you know, address the bench. Why have they not? Address these things. Is it because of Tibbs? Is Tibbs just like telling Perry and Rose that he doesn't want anybody? Is it is it the players? Is it just that the ineptitude of Leon Rose? Because they also have Scott Perry there, so I don't know. It's not like he's not a seasoned GM. He knows what he's doing. So, what is going? On? Why is there not enough movement? Enough life? Because everyone, you know, every, every other fan that I've talked to has said the same exact thing. They want to fire Tom Thibodeau. And I look at them and say, Tom Thibodeau is not the problem. He hasn't been the problem. There are some things that he has, you know, he has his quirks. He has some, you know, some tendencies. He has his things. I think every great coach does. But the problem is this roster. Like Dom just said it just a few just before I came on. We cannot be lacking that much on both ends of the floor simply because Mitchell Robinson goes down. Obviously, you're going to miss some rebounding. You're going to miss a presence in the you know in the paint. You're going to miss a shot blocker. You're going to miss you know those things. That's in some ways understandable, <clears throat> but you have a Jericho Sims. You have an Isaiah Hartenstein, and if, if neither one of those guys are going to be able to, you know, to, to supplement what Robinson gives you between the two of them, you got to go out there and get some more because let's because you know you got fans, real true, diehard fans that are really you know starting to get very much more invested in this team and this season. They're not, they, they, you know, we're not looking for a play-in. We're not looking for a first-round exit. We want to make some noise. So I implore you, I implore you, Scott Perry and Leon Rose and whoever in Knicks management is listening, because I know that sometimes you guys are, what are we waiting for? If you're thinking that you're getting another Donovan Mitchell 
kind of deal, forget it. We had our shot. We blew it. We're going to have to wait another year for that. LeBron is not coming. Durant's not moving. There's nobody out there. But we need to address these holes. Oh, is it Don to speak, or you want me to speak? You know what, Steve? How you doing, brother? <laughs> uh, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Hold on. Let's, let's bring the professor on. That professor answered. He heard everything you said. Let's bring the professor on, man. Let me get his thoughts. We haven't heard from him in a while with his knickerbockers. Hey, what's up, gentlemen? How you doing? Godfather. Hey. What's up, Chief? What's up, hey. Chief? Hey, listen. I didn't... Hey, listen, I'm I'm not calling for the subject matter, even though it's highly related to it. I'm actually calling in because I meant to call in last week. I didn't get a chance to. I was traveling, and um, I want to address something. I want to actually answer a question that he didn't ask me. <laughs> I want to answer a question from um, Nickelbacker Ave, okay? Okay. And uh, I, need, I, don't, I know you do uh, – if you put me on a clock, Steve, I'll be quicker than three minutes. I promise. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to take anybody else. No, you don't need a clock. Take your time. This ain't the giant show. <laughs> you don't need a clock. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, Nickelbacker Ave, this is for you, bro. Sure. So, um, so I had to – I was singing in a choir uh, when I was 10 years old up in Harlem, Um. And uh, at the Abyssinia Baptist Church, and we had we had practice on Saturday, right? Okay. And um, and so um, uh, my sister used to take me up there, you know, to eat. Uh, we were living in Queens at that time. We had just moved to Queens like three years before that, and we had to take the E train on the uh, these places are, are are important. The E train on Hillside Avenue, all the way up to Harlem, right? One twenty in the right. barrio. I forgot exactly. But um, so so she said, look, go to bed. Every my, but nine o'clock was my bedtime anyway, man. They made my ass go to bed, right? <laughs> I was ten years old. Okay. And I went to bed. I went to bed at nine o'clock. Some odd reason on this Friday night, and I knew what the reason was. There were honking horns. There was explosions. There was gunfire. There were fireworks all over my block. People were outside with, with 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 beer bottles and liquor bottles and hugging each other. I'm like, what the fuck's up? I didn't know what was going on. And you could hear my father and my brother downstairs yelling, the fuck is this? Why do we win? I can't believe it. What a chance. Everybody went bazooka. Nobody slept that night. The shit was on fire, right? Next morning... Next morning, we walk up to Hollis Avenue. Hollis Avenue is full of confetti, all kinds of shit, cups, bottles, broken glass, everything. There are car- there's, there's some cars, some old, the old, remember those old um, Dodge um, um, station wagons, man, that were the, the, yeah. uh, the early 60s type? They were spray painted with world champ mix on them. Every, people were loud. People were hugging. They didn't even know each other. People were talking on the bus. In New York buses, you know, they don't, people don't speak to each other. Back then they did, though. And um, this happened all the way through the, on, on, on E-Train and all the way up. Now, when you got off the E-Train, you had hugs, hugs. You had thugs hugging policemen. You had 
you had trash men stopped in the middle of the road, holding up traffic, talking to, talking to the um, not only the pedestrians but the people that were in traffic behind them. Just everything was camaraderie. People were hugging. People were were, were slapping five, which is what they did then before the high five. Um, you had the, the crazy drunks talking to the executives. It was bananas. And people were were just maddening because not only did the Knicks win this this championship, but you know New York was city of champions before um, the year before Joe Namath just won the Super Bowl, and of course the Mets did some incredible shit that can't be explained even to this day. So, and we all kept beating Baltimore teams it seems, you know, but we we got that's what happened, and it lasted for a whole week. No one could talk about anything else. The New York Daily News. Normally has the sports on the back page. They had it on not only um, the front page too, but also the first five pages of the paper and the centerfold. And everything, all all the billboards turned into world champion New York Knicks shit with 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 number nineteen Willis Reed all over the place. Sometimes it was a little Clyde. Uh, there was a lot um, um, way before Mitchell and Ness. People were buying people were buying um, Dave the Bushy twenty t shirts, which was cool. They were t shirts. And it was just fucking crazy. Instead of having ten dudes on the, on the playground, there were like fifty. You know, in the morning when you went to school, the teachers were talking about it. About ten minutes into the class, uh, into the thirty minute class, homeroom was sick. It was, everybody was just about mix, 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 mix. So, in essence, to answer with the question that you had on orange and the blue. I just wanted to say that when the Knicks do it again, it's going to be tenfold that shit. And that's when I was a kid 52 years ago. I'm 53 now. So I wanted wow. to know, man, that it's nothing but Nirvana, freaking Shangri-La, <laughs> and, and, and freaking Mardi Gras, all at the same time when it happens. That's what happened. And they did it again, like two years later three years later, and it was pretty much the same shit, only a little bit low-key because we just expected the Knicks to win. So, you know, the only problem we had back then was the Lakers or the uh, or the Celtics, and that was – well, well, no, 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 I can't say that because the Bullets was, was, was kick us in the ass a lot. But that was pretty much it. So I wanted to tell you, man, that euphoria happens when the Knicks win the championship. That's what it is. There's no better feeling than that. And when you feel, when the Knicks win, the freaking whole complexion of the entire city flips the fuck over. But there's a reason why it only happened a couple of times. And it only happened a couple of times because of Knicks management. Not the players, not the coaches, not the trainers, not the chicks, the city girls, or whatever they're called, that, that perform at halftime. Nothing, nothing but bad, just bad management. We've had nothing but our ownership has been really tr- truthfully abysmal, probably the entire time. Those Knicks, you know, won in spite of of, of ownership, as a, as a matter of fact. So it's always been ownership, bro. That's the only thing. And everybody has this mysticism. Everybody's you've got diehard fans that have been season tickets holders for friggin' up to uh, uh, probably 50, 60 years, man. We love this team, you know. We 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 blood, sweat, and tear this team. We freaking have a, a some kind of goddamn ritualistic obsession with this squad, but 
what we always seem to miss when we're yelling at the players or we're yelling at, or we're questioning the coaches or whatever, or we're throwing Oakley out of the guard, whatever the fuck with stupid shit we're doing, it always happens to be management's fault with this team. And I can tell you unequivocally, that's wrong. That's what's wrong with the New York Knickerbockers. Every year since, let me see. I've been I've been a Knicks fan since '68 when I stumbled onto them because they wasn't showing Wonderama. <laughs> a show that nobody remembers. Okay. Greatest, children, greatest children show that ever was. But let me tell you, I'm here to tell you since then, it's been management. And only singularly management. Thank God there was a red, red holster in all. Oh, my goodness. That was a saving grace. Another saving grace was probably Pat Riley. We should have kept him to do what he's doing right now. I, think, I guess he must have won three in his new location since he left us. And that wasn't that long ago. I, I don't consider less than 30 years long ago. And so, hey, that's what's wrong with us. The only thing wrong with there's nothing wrong with you, me, the the, the the kids in the stands, nobody. The only thing that's wrong, and it's, it's, I want you to remember that every time you have a New York Knickerbocker Avenue fan forum on the Bleed Blue show or otherwise, the only thing wrong with this team is whoever the fat cats are at the very top. At the very top. That's wow. all I wanted to say. And I'll do what I got to do tomorrow on the Bleed Blue show. As we talk about that that franchise, it ended up a sport. But I needed to emphasize that because there's always been questions. There's always been, and you know, and, and what it is being a, a long-suffering New York Knicks fan is that you always feel like you are always dressed up to go to the wedding, but you ain't never going to get married. And you know, and you can't feel that way over the course of uh, what's it now fifty years, right? So correct. So, yeah, so that's the answer. That is the app option. When anybody asks you, whenever you got to think about it, whenever you got to go through your research, whenever, whatever the case may be, bottom line, we've always had bad ownership. That's what I should say, ownership, not so much management. We've had bad ownership from the beginning. When Gulf and Western owned this team, it was even worse. We had a team one time, Nickelbacca Ave, that had six Hall of Famers on it and didn't make the playoff. Okay? So... Right. You know, it's just about it's just about what the vision of an ownership is. And if if your only vision is the fact that you, the dog show, you're worried about the dog show, the circus, the friggin' Justin Timberlake concert, um, when, uh, how much Beyonce will draw, um, uh, um, the Rangers also. Um, let me see. There's a whole lot of myriad of shit I can't think of that will come out of my head right now. But you're beholden to the – if you're owner, you're beholden to the garden. The Knicks are just a, like a, an extra little component of it, whereas in other cities and other franchises, the primary focus is the team itself. Over here, it's like part of a Swiss Army knife, and they don't really get – they don't look at it that way. And as a result, we've, we've been suffering for years, years. You know, cable business owned this place. Friggin' uh, Gulf and Western was the worst. Friggin' folk form production was even more god-awful because Ned Iris did not give a shit about pro basketball. His thing was the ECAC and, and later on the business for a little while. So that's it. I just wanted to emphasize that to you. You know, you know big ups to the documentary. 
with, with I absolutely freaking love because it shows the heartbreak as well as the in-depth personal lives of what it's like to suffer with this red, orange, I mean, I'm sorry, this orange, white, and blue squad that we got. So that's it. That's all I wanted to say, bro. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Godfather. Um, Folks, (laughs) if you haven't done so already, Orange and the Blues is now on Prime Video. Um, Please give it a, you know, Give it a give it a look. Leave a review. Um, you know, share the trailer. Um, thank you so much, Godfather. It is it's an honor to you know to get your you know your synopsis and you know get your yeah. thoughts on that stuff. I mean that's that's a you know I really thing is I even gave the director your number and I told him say hey you got to give this guy a call. We call him the Godfather for, and the Professor for a reason. <laughs> but um, um thank you very much. Thank you very much for that. Um, no problem. All right. So, Thanks a lot. So let's get back. To, let, let, outstanding. Let's get back to let's get back to the focus here. Dom, your thoughts real quick. Um, the Knicks finally did take a get a win last night. You know they, they, they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. But what did you see in the in, in the three games before that? Um, we're talking about the Atlanta, the Toronto, um, again the, the you know the Wizards game. You know. Obviously, we're missing Mitchell Robinson, but you can't. But I don't see why somebody like Isaiah Hartenstein or Jericho Sims cannot pull down six rebounds apiece to, to subsidize that. What is your thought? Well, I thought we were going to let Steve go, but I, I can tell you this. When, when you look at what happened, because I, I don't know if you guys were on the line when me and Steve were talking. When you look at what happened, their defense just collapsed, and their defense didn't collapse down low. Their defense collapsed in the things that we were strong at, with or without Mitchell Robinson. Field goal percentage against, three-point percentage against, rebounding. We was 2-2-2 two, two, and two in all of those categories in the NBA. We, the, the rebounding, I think two of the three games we're talking about, the Knicks got out-rebounded, but not by much. But it wasn't the absence of Mitchell Robinson. It was the absence of a of – a, how can I put this without being gully? It was the absence of a basketball IQ. You don't blow leads the way we was blowing leads. When you have a basketball IQ, at least above – an egg McMuffin. This has been the Knicks dawn in their side all year. They have very little basketball IQ on their team. You cannot tell me, for those of y'all that saw the game last night, when Randall threw that ball out to RJ and he shot that air ball, we were like, fuck, game over. We're going to lose another nail biter because somebody can't hit a wide open jumper. And what led us to him having to hit that shot was back-to-back games or two out of a, a foul on a three-point shot. R.J. Barrett, same guy. Same guy with the basketball IQ of a, of a, of a banana. His basketball IQ is probably the lowest on the Knicks. To be the highest-paid player and have the lowest basketball IQ, that just don't add up. So if you look at how we were losing these games, and you saw the game last night, you just seen him blow another coverage 
and then he shoots an air ball. I was thinking, here we go again. But you know what, Nate? They gritted it out. Hartenstein came up with a great defensive play. We get the rebound, game over. So it wasn't a moral victory. It was a victory. A win is a win is a win. But we got to develop. I don't care about ownership, front office, the coach. I always say this, guys. This is why it's easy for me to repeat this. I always say there are certain things in a basketball game that is an individual task where you know you got to guard this man. You know you're wide open. You got to spot up. You got to step up. You got to hit the shot. Man open, pass ball to man. These are basic basketball instincts. We don't have them, guys. We're, we're lucky as shit to be three games above 500. Let's just keep it 100, as the kids would say. We're lucky as hell to be three games over 500 because we have to have. If, if you got league pass and you watch more than just the Knicks, there's not many teams you see, guys, that play the way the Knicks play. With that low basketball IQ, I love Jalen Brunson. Do not get me wrong. But there's far too many nights. Julius Randle is getting more assists than him. I understand he may not be our prototypical point guard. That's going to get you eight to nine assists a night. But there are also too many games where that one-on-one, that ISO shit is killing us. So they got a lot to work on, guys. And, again, God be the glory that <laughs> we're three games above 500, going into a rough stretch. But there's so many things that we really got to look at and say, you know what, we got them tired of this social media bullshit where we want to blame the coach, the owner, the hot dog vendor, Spike Lee, but we skip over the player. They're not measuring up. They're not holding their level of responsibility. No alibis, guys. Come on. Again, not to be the – you look at these games we lost. You cannot tell me almost – fuck, almost all the games we've lost this year. I don't care who we were playing. We had a lead. And some of them, guys, we had an enormous lead. Blame who? Oh, the coach didn't adjust. The coach didn't do this. The, the sky didn't open. No, you didn't man up. You didn't go under a pick. You didn't get out on your man shooting a three. That's how they got back in the game, and that's how they win the game. So enough of the excuses. Everybody has a level of responsibility and accountability. So we can't overlook the players because they're the ones that are blowing these leads. They're the ones with the low basketball IQ. They're the ones shooting air balls, missing bunnies at the rim. Not the coach. They are. So – Again, it's going to be rough. I always have faith. I always look at the glasses half full. I'm not one of those fans that want to see us lose, but I want to see us improve so that it will get better going down the road. Guys, we uh, – I'm not going to beat that dead horse. Again, thank God we're three games above 500. But you know what? When you look at it, we should be a hell of a lot more games over 500. I'll leave it at that how, for now. How, how, how many do you think? Uh, Dom, uh, games over 500 at this point. At least eight, Steve. At, at least, least eight. At least Ooh. eight. Because let me tell you something. I said this not long ago, that we had an opportunity based on schedule and opponent that 
before January 24th, because of our schedule and how many games we were, I had us predicted at being eight, eight, nine games above 500 before the 24th or at the 24th of January. And guess what one of the games I counted to bring us to nine? Cleveland. And all those games before that, we should have won. We were winning. We blew it. And that's counting that stretch. I'm not even counting the whole season. Guys, I can't even remember how many games we just straight up blown. Fellas, we're under 500 at home. We got the second best record on the road, but we're under 500 in our own building. That's crazy. That is crazy shit, man. When you count what I said and winning more at home, we probably should have been 10 games over 500. Plus, we got so many breaks. Steve wasn't playing. Godfather wasn't playing. Dom wasn't playing. And we were losing to these teams with 20-point lead, 17-point lead. Come on, man. If one or two guys step up, we're 8 to 10 games over 500, Steve. I'll, again, I'll leave it at that. Just go back and look at this I, and see where we're at. I don't, I, don't I, as, I, don't, I don't have it as high as you, but I do understand your sentiment. I kind of look at the games we've blown. I did the, the games we should have won. I have us at about plus seven, plus eight at, at its high end, Dom. Uh, but I understand why you say what you say. So... Uh, you know, just over this past week, that's two games lost in, in that stuff. Like, you should have at least picked up two games since last week when we talked. But then you go back to the last month, that Chicago game, the San Antonio game, uh, the one in, on the road. I think you should have beat them, yeah. you know, whether you had uh, all those guys. And then you have to go back into the, the calendar in November. Um, I'm thinking that Oklahoma City game. You should never have blown that game when you had 48 points in the first quarter and you gave up 145. So I agree with you. But I, I say seven to eight plus seven to eight through tonight is where I thought they should have been. Uh, they might give up a couple of games over the next half week versus Boston, Brooklyn, LA. Pick two out of the three. I don't think they win. I mean, I just I mean, if they won all three, that that'd be great. But I don't see that happening realistically or objectively. Um, yeah, so let me go back to the point so I can go back to Av. Because, um, you know, Jalen Brunson was never really in the cis guy the way I saw him play his entire career. So uh, I, I understand if, if he's not being the floor general, uh, but he was never in the cis guy. You know, you know, from a fan's point of view, Av, uh, ever since he threw on that fucking Jalen Hurts jersey, <laughs> he threw the Eagles jersey going into the garden. I mean, we've been that's what yeah. we went on a fucking booster street. So that he kind of he's on my bad side on that shit alone, man. Now you know I don't. Oh, like you gotta. Oh, oh, trust me, I'm fucking I'm fucking furious at him. Oh please, oh, hold your thoughts on that. I'll, I'll, I'll be real quick, and then I want you to just sound your thoughts because some Knicks fans like me who bleed a KGYR kind of blue don't appreciate that shit. And and you know I've been a total Jalen Brunson supporter since we got him or even thinking about inquiring them. You don't do that for the fans. You know what I'm saying? Now, what, what, what kind of point are you proving? And then after him doing that, you don't win no games. You're not playing as great as you were when you were Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Um, Dom, you're absolutely correct about R.J. Barrett and his wide-open three airball in it, and they try to make it seem, oh, he grazed the rim and all this other shit. And Knicks don't make free throws. And 
that that's going to be the first. They're going to be an early round exit off of that strength alone. The, the reason why they lost the Chicago game is because they were missing so many fucking free throws. San Antonio game missing front many free throws. Um, even just last night's game, Dom and and F, where they had a comfortable double digit lead. They give up, and then I, you know what, Dom? I want to give your thoughts after this, or after Dom, or after Av speaks. It's, I think it's just the culture of the NBA. It's not just the Knicks. <clears throat> but they blow leads like like it is nothing. Like th- th- like Cleveland went on a eleven two run in like two minutes just to get back into the game. Like I guess the problem I have with it, and that's me being an old geezer, you know, a Gen X, uh, bottom Gen X, uh, early millennial type of you know sports fan. Like me and Albert, similar age. Dom, you already know this. We grew up in an era where you had a double digit lead. Eighty percent of the game is over. But in this today's NBA league, you could have a twenty-point lead. The game ain't over. Like that, that still doesn't wrap around my head because I, we grew up in an era where you know this, the game was different because of the rules. Teams in general, not just the Knicks, but teams in general, just blow too many fucking leads, and they blow it fast. I don't get it. Like the Houston game, that's another game. You know what I'm saying? That they had a you know they had the lead and they blew it. You know shit like that. Here's the positives. I did like Hartenstein's uh, energy last night. The put-back dunks, uh, hustle. I did like that out of him uh, last night. Um, and Don, I, I'm going to hold my thoughts on you because you brought up the trades. And, you know, I'm not really a big rumor mill guy. But if I, honestly, Ab, I think the Knicks do have enough shooting. It's just that Thibodeau doesn't use them. Because when you look at other rosters around the NBA who are not really playoff in contention, we already have better shooting on the bench already. So if you're going to give up the guys we already have on the bench for shooting, you might as well get glue guys. And I have a short list of guys I would like to present, but I would like to pass the mic back to you, my guy. And then, uh, and then you know, take us where you want to go from there. Well, well, it, it's great that you have a short list because I was, I, I'm, I've actually been trying all week to, you know, to try to create a short list of, of glue guys um, and, you know, guys that can, that can fill the mold because I'm sorry, I'm going to say it now, and this is probably the first time I'm going to say it, and, and it won't be my last. But I'm starting to get tired of R.J. Barrett. I'm, I'm starting to really lose my patience with him. Um, for a guy that was a third pick overall, with the contract that he got that is a poison pill, and because of all the stalling that was, you know, that, 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 that was happening you know, during that Donovan Mitchell trade um, talks, you would think that he would have a breakout season and that he would have eventually, like Dom alluded to, have increased his basketball IQ some, has improved his shooting ability, and more importantly, he would have built more heart and, you know, more poised to step up in those kinds of situations. And then last night's game was a pure representation of when you just don't have it. Now, in his defense, he had that the other – I forgot which game it was where he, you know, where he went the length of the, of the floor, dunked it, and tied it from the game to overtime, a game that we ended up losing. I forget which, which opponent that was. But – so there's a times where he shows you that he does have the poise, but we need to have that on a more consistent basis, especially if the Knicks are, are genuinely trying to convince the fans, the media, and everyone involved, especially in the NBA, that they are going to be a contending team. 
We can't be this middle of the road kind of team. You know, where we're too we're too good to be to be bad, and we're too bad to be good. We're just going to be a you know a play-in team, kind of a throw-in team that you know for the playoffs, just so we can have eight to ten or whatever the number is. And they're just there to you know to, to hold the spot. We can't be we can't be you know the New York Knicks cannot be that and expect that the fan base is going to live be okay with that. You're going to have more discussions. You're going to have more trade talk. You're going to have more people, you know, you know, shooting for, for Thibodeau's head. So please, so please, Steve, give me that short list because I would love to hear who you have in mind. And if you have any ideas of how we can get them, by all means. I don't have the ideas of how we can get them. Hold on. Before we speak, let's, let's, get, back, let's get the mic back to Dom. I'll, it's, it's time. I'll, I'll speak after that. Let, let Dom uh, sound off, and I'll speak after that, and I'll go back to you after that. I, I, think, I think what we need to I think what we need to realize once and for all is the draft class that R.J. Barrett in wasn't that good. Though there are some players that were in that draft class that are actually better than him right now, that went later than him. So we, I think if we got beyond this guy was a third pick and realized – what kind of draft it was, we, we'll, we'll, I at least, feel more comfortable in that, in that game, in that mode. Because like I always say, Steve, he's a great Alfred. There's, there's nothing wrong with being Alfred. Everybody has a Batman and Robin, and somebody has to be Alfred. There's nothing wrong with him being Alfred at this point in his career. But he hasn't shown much improvement from day one. He hasn't shown much improvement from the times I watched him play at Duke here in North Carolina. His, his limitations at Duke are his limitations right now. Shooting, going right, sometimes his foul goal, his field goal, a free throw. All the things that were his limitations at Duke are now his limitations four years later in the NBA. So I think we need to get beyond that. Do, do you try to unload him? I don't know. I, I don't know. If you got, if the price, we can't trade him till June 15th. So they can't trade him at the deadline. He got that poison pill. He can't go nowhere till, I guess, next year or next season. So we, we need to put that away. I, I'm like Steve. I don't get into the, the rumor mill with who we should pick up. And, but I think I said this before, guys. If we wake up on February 9th and Cam Reddish is still a New York Nick, somebody needs to be fired. Somebody in the front office needs to be fired. Because if you didn't want this to go this way, you should have stepped in and said something to the coach. If you was the one that said to the coach, hey, don't play him. We don't want him to get hurt because we're moving him. And he's still a Nick on February 9th. Somebody's head got a roll. Period. End the conversation. This kid hasn't played in almost two months. And he's sitting there. And we're looking for wing defenders, somebody that can get to the basket, somebody that could possibly hit a shot coming off the bench. And this kid's sitting there. I am not saying... This kid is the answer. I am not saying he is George Gervin, but he's sitting there that could be giving us something of what I just spoke of. So mm-hmm. whose responsibility is it to get him on the court or to get him off this team? And it's this trade deadline shit. You can be traded today. <laughs> Let's just keep it real. The trade deadline is the deadline. It don't mean you can't trade nobody before that. 
That's why they call it a deadline. If he still admit, guys, I'll tell you right now, I may, this may be one of the first times in a long time that I will lose a lot of respect for the people running this organization. And I don't mean James Dolan. I mean the people that James Dolan's paying a boatload of money to let this shit go on for months. And if he's still a Nick, fellas, I'm done. I probably won't even mention the front office no more because that'll let me know that they're like the rest of them. I could fly under the radar. I could do the bare minimum to make this team better, and I'll still have a job in the morning. That ain't flying with me this time, fellas. I'm sorry. Not this time. So whatever they do, that better be one of the things they do. I don't want to hear, oh, we gave up a first-round pick for him. Believe me, guys, that first-round pick was unprotected. It was going to be a 25th, 26th, 27th pick to begin with, almost a second-round pick. We got rid of him because we wanted to get rid of Knox. They wanted to get rid of Cam. Hey, we met halfway. But if your goal was to get rid of him, then get rid of him because we're looking really stupid right now, guys, that we got a possible winning defender, a guy that can go to the basket, a guy that's got mm-hmm. a better field goal percentage than said R.J. Barrett, and they got him sitting on the bench. Yeah, and I can't get yeah. it, guys. I'm not with it. All I know is he, he better be gone by February 9th. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the all whole... I got. That's the whole weird thing about this whole situation as far as making trades because I look at all these other rosters who are not going to go nowhere, and it's like we kind of already got it on our bench. So I and then to the other point, what Don was saying, if you make a trade, are you actually going to play the player you're going to make the trade for? Like, 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 he's literally sitting on your bench. Like, you talk about, shoot, you already got Fournier on your bench. You got Cam Reddish on your bench. I'm looking at, at the only thing you're going to if I, logically I'm just speaking logically, Avin Dom. If you're going to make a trade, you got to give up the shooting, obviously for somebody who could defend, and that's if the Knicks want to play defense. And I think that's the only way they're going to maximize this season is a win a game like they did last night versus the Cleveland Cavaliers, where you keep it low scoring. Uh, a 108, 104 game, 105, 103, something like that, right? Score, you know, try to outscore teams like, you know, in the 110s and 120s. Most nights, I don't think they could compete. Like, like they lost like that to Toronto and Atlanta just recently. And they just don't have that kind of offense. Like, why ask for more shooting when you literally got your scoring on the bench? You're not using them. But if you were going the defensive route, if that's, I'm not saying they should trade him or not, but if you want to make a trade, got to do it for something you don't have. Get the glue guys. Somebody like a, a Jalen McDaniels. You know what I'm saying? I think Dom is familiar with him. A guy that was in the same uh, draft class as uh, R.J. Barrett. He's somebody who could defend and he'll put up a good, you know, he's, he'll be, uh, you know, he's under the radar. A glue guy kind of guy. OG Ananobi, exactly. if Toronto's willing to deal with him. The guy here Right, right. Right, or yeah. or, or, yeah. Jerry, or, Jer, or Jerry Vanderbilt, another guy who's kind of like a Jalen McDaniels, a guy who's got um, a lot of regular season experience when he was with the Timberwolves playing on the Utah Jazz. Somebody like that, a three who could play a little bit of defense. Because you already have the scoring or the shooting 
on the bench. Like, no other roster really has that currently right now. The Knicks already have it, but the problem is the coach is not playing them, and I don't know why. That That's my, my short answer as far as if you're going to make a deal, get somebody, a glue guy that's going to play a little bit of D. A cu- he'll get you a couple buckets here, but he's more defensive-minded than anything. But like like Dom said, and I agree with him, you already kind of got that on the bench, and you're not playing them. It doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? So you might as well trade them. Uh, and I'll pass it back to you, huh? Well, that's, I've been kind of saying that for a while now. You know, ever since that we found out that, you know, Fournier and Reddish was going to get benched. And, you know, we've heard so many, you know, I'm pretty sure, I know that you don't listen, you don't have to listen to Nick's Twitter, but I'm pretty sure you've seen the headlines, for, you know, from a couple of Google ads or, or something where they say, well, so-and-so is interested in OB Toppin. Or so and so is interested in Emmanuel Quickly, oh. and or so and so is, is is interested in Evan Fournier or Cam Reddish, or the deal for Reddish is almost done. And obviously, I know that it's all clickbait. But now you know I don't. Think at the same that, right? time, <laughs> but at the same, but at the same time, at the same time, you start to wonder. Okay, if we're not doing that one, what are we doing? Because I don't hear anything about. Anything particular being discussed, which is probably a good thing, you know, everything is close to the chest, but at the same time, as Dom just said, it's called a trading deadline, meaning that they can trade before that day. Between now and February 9th, the Knicks have at least two and a half, a week or two, what is it, about a week or two, give or take, to make a deal to bring in somebody like a glue guy that you just mentioned, or just to bring somebody you know who can be an instant you know impact on offense, or some somebody that you you know that can be whatever you need to be in order to, you know in order that you can you can you can basically supplement trading a Cam Reddish, trading an Evan Fournier, trading an Obi Toppin, or trading any of those fucking picks that we you know that we've that we've massively acquired. And for what? I get it that you know they're holding they're holding out for a superstar, but they took they had their chance to get one and they they fucking balked. So if you're not going for the superstar, then you have to do something. It doesn't have to be something amazing. It doesn't have to be a big you know pro, a, a big name out there you know that's going to make the Knicks an instant contender. They don't exist. You know, it's not like you're going to, you're going to fucking swoop, you're going to freaking finagle the Golden State Warriors into trading them Clay, um, Thompson and Curry in in, a, in one fell swoop. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Because if then if they did, this this conversation is completely different. But th- that's never going to happen. This is NBA. This is not NBA Live. I don't see how that fucking happens. So, with that being said, what are we doing? Obviously, there are holes, and are you really, really going to wait the three weeks that they're reporting on, on Mitchell Robinson to come back, plus the week or so of rehab, plus the week or so of him kind of getting well-adjusted to come back because he's coming back from thumb surgery. So you're really not, you're really not thinking three weeks. You're thinking about more like five weeks between now and then, and at that point, what are we, you know, what are we looking at? And are, are the Knicks going to stay remaining at three games over 500, considering the, the, you know, the strength of the schedule that they have remaining? I don't see how that happens, but you have to make a move. 
You have to make a move to substantiate the fact that you don't have a Mitchell Robinson, and this team needs to be able to be built on defense. So those blue guys you just mentioned, Steve, I like them. I like all of them. I don't know how you get them, but I think the Knicks have enough pieces to get the deal done. It's also it's just now a matter of is Leon Rose, Scott Perry, Allen Houston, or anybody in the front office paying attention and are really committed to making this team better. Because the way it's currently constructed right now, even with Mitchell Robinson, is not enough to comp- you know, to, to you know, to be put up there in the, in the higher echelon of the Eastern Conference, and we're always trying to get better. We're not we're not expecting the championship this year. We're probably not expecting the championship next year. But we are expecting a lot of noise, and the front office is awfully quiet. Dom, make some sense of this. I'm sorry. I'll say this. I'll say this, guys, because I know we're running out of time. Right now, I would trade Obi Toppin and Cam Reddish for OG Ananobi. Right now. He, there's a possibility, guys, that he's going to walk. Jack in return. He's – just looking up. I don't want to hold him. He's the, same, he's the same exact age as Obi Toppin. And he's best. Do you, do you give Toronto a pick? Do you give Toronto a pick, though? Because they're going to want picks. Being unprotected. Whatever. Because if, if we're winning, our pick ain't going to be worth shit whether we get it or somebody else gets it. I'm just saying, I heard That's rumblings. That's what I've been saying for years. OG. Yeah, I'm just saying, I heard rumblings about OG that, you know, he's not happy, he might want to walk, blah, blah, blah. So now, again, like I always say, the gun's not pointed at your head to overdo it to get him. Because guess what? If he walks, they ain't getting jacked. So it's not like you got to go, you know, two players, four draft picks, some hot dogs and hamburgers. No. The thing I always say, guys, is feel it out. Put a feeler out there. What is it going to take? This isn't a Donovan Mitchell trade. This isn't a... What was the French guy's name that got traded for half a damn Minnesota? This is not that situation. OG is a very good player, guys. You know, he's 17-6, 45-36% from field to three. He's a a solid ball player. So if you could get that, hey, or as me and Steve blatantly put it, we got guys on the bench right now that could probably do that shit. (laughs) We're not using them. So, hey, you know what? Obi Toppin, I hate to say this, he's going to have to move because, and it's nothing against him. He may be a good ball player. He may be that. You know, he's a Twitter buzz. But he's playing behind one of the hottest power forwards in the NBA. So we can't keep hearing, oh, he's not getting enough minutes. He's playing behind Julius Randle. He ain't playing behind some – you know, 10-point-a-night power forward, guys. I mean, so do we free him? Like I said, if I could get rid of him and Reddish and get OG Ananobi, I'm all in. So on that note, guys, you know I love y'all. Steve, great job. 
let's keep it up, man. We we got to get one or two wins out of this next three four game stretch, fellas, or we're looking in trouble. And the stretch will take us almost to the trade deadline. So here we are. Thanks, fellas. Thank you, thank you, Donardo DP on Twitter. Everybody, if you're in those Twitter spaces, beware the kitchen is open because and the chef is going to start cooking. Um, that's all I got to say. Steve, your final thoughts, please, sir. Yeah, yeah. there's really nothing for me to add. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a tough a tough stretch, these upcoming games. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose more than we, than we won. Um, I think we should have picked up at least two games this past week since the last time we were here uh, after the Wizards game. And, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as the roster, I mean, I don't know. See, there's a lot of the unheard or seen things is I don't know what they want to do. When you have shooting literally on your bench, like what else? You can't really improve. I don't know where around the NBA you can improve that. So you might as well get somebody who's going to play more defense because the Knicks don't play no defense. Well, most teams don't play defense anyway. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll be back next Wednesday. And then um, other than that, uh, Nick Baca, I can take us home. Folks, the Knicks have three games left in January and then 11 games in February. And just listen to the, num- to the names of the teams that we're playing. We got the Celtics next in Boston, in Brooklyn, at home against the Lakers. Then we're at home against Miami and the Clippers the Sixers, then we off to Orlando, and then we're in Philadelphia by then the trading deadline had, had expired. So, and then the month of August, the month, I mean, the month of February is not any easier. So, then, so if you're looking at the roster, and if you're not looking up and down this roster and saying we need to make a move, then I, I recommend that you, you, you see your, your next, you, you know, your, your local optometrist, get your eyes checked, or you know, you talk to your you know to your and you know dear Nick's old head consulate and talk to him because Ray Charles can see that there are holes in this in this, in this roster. But we're gonna be here next week, same time, same channel, on the bleedblueshow.com. Check out the podcast. Um, before I go, before I send off, I want to give a round of applause to our New York Giants. Um, sadly, the season has ended in spectacular fashion in Philadelphia. But I am very proud uh, to, to call myself a New York Giants fan, considering that none of us really, I don't think any of us really considered them to be playoff contention. And they made it to the divisional round, which is nothing to sneeze at. So congratulations to the New York Giants. Congratulations to the head coach of the year, Brian DeBall, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, the Knicks, We'll be here to keep on talking about them. Check out Orange and the Blues on, on Amazon Prime. If you haven't done so, please leave a review, um, whether you liked it, didn't like it. Um, if, if you want to ask any questions about it, uh, I'm, I'm available on, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You already know where. You know where to find Steve Azul at this Steve Azul uh, on Twitter. And, of course, on BleedBlueShow.com. Uh, next week, Wednesday, we will be... Is it post game next week? I believe so. I think it's post game against the Lakers. So until then, this is Nick about no, to that's have, Tuesday. But Steve oh, was, oh, it's Tuesday. Oh, so, so no, there's no game next week. But no game next week. Yeah. So, 
Oh, bollocks. But oh, that's hey, right. Next week, next week, next week it'll, be, it'll be the it'll be the first of February. So we'll real, see real how quick, this you, you know how this three game stretch. get off because it's. Before you get off, can you give me your thoughts on Jalen Hurts with that Eagles jersey? I mean, Jalen okay. Hurts. See, you got to say in the wrong name, Jalen Hurts. Same name, right? Jalen Hurts, Jalen okay. Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Wearing the Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Jalen Brunson. All right. I, I, all right. I completely understand that you are going to represent, you know, your fellow, your, your, your fellow athletes, and you're always going to represent your hometown. Obviously, Jalen Brunson is not he from New York. He went to college there, and... He's not even from Philly. He went to college there. Like... <laughs> right. But, 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 going to college in Philly and then repping Philly, you know, those two, those two, two, two things go differently, you know, depending on that what athlete true. we're talking that is about. True. You're right about that. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, we can just we can just look at the uh, um, at the number one um, athlete in the NBA. We get to look about LeBron James, who's been who's from Akron, but is a diehard New York Yankees fan. Even though now he nah, he's is a part a owner of the Boston he's, Red Sox. He's, he's not a diehard. He, no, he, he was. He was. He was for many years before he. he, he I, hey, I, I, I'm going to go with that. Look at Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, diehard New York Mets fan. See, if you're in New York and you're playing for the city that you're, you, you know, that you're playing for, you should represent either the team that you play for or the local teams around it. Now, I understand when it comes to Super Bowl and things like that, you want to, you want to, you know, support your fellow fans, your fellow athletes, and stuff like that. But come on, you're not going to wear an Eagles jersey in the middle of Manhattan. Coming into Madison Square Garden, playing for the New York Knicks, knowing full well that the majority of Knicks fans are either probably Jets or Giants fans, and you're going to work. Come on, dude. You can't do that. See, that's, if, that's, that's like fandom Julius Randle. That's like Julius Randle. Julius Randle could literally walk into the garden with a Dallas Cowboys jersey because he's actually from Dallas, and he is a Cowboys fan. Like, he actually has – like. But it would be crazy for him to do that. You know what I'm saying? It is like it's yeah, but, yeah. But but that's like that's like also a, a, like Aaron Judge, who's from California, coming you know coming to Giant Stadium wearing a 49ers jersey or something, and I would think like, dude, do you know where you are? It's like, do you know who you represent? You especially when you're a superstar player. See, Jalen Brunson is. You know, to a lot of fans in, in New York City, he is a superstar. He's a star point guard for the New York Knicks, and nice. you basically represent the people of New York. I know that it's more Julius Dude. Randle because he's been here longer, but come on. Come he on. He into the garden then, with an Eagles jersey the week of the team from New York to play the team 90 miles down the turnpike. That is terrible, man. That is terrible. It is, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. It's, it's, and, it's not like the Eagles and, you know and Giants what? were playing like four weeks Jaylen apart. Brunson, I mean, it's literally a playoff game the week of. He walks into the garden. Jalen Brunson to, needs to go to New York jail for one night just for that. Yeah. He needs to go. Uh, you know what? For real. For real. We, we need to put him in. We, we just need to process him through central booking one time just so he knows that this kind of thing is not tolerated. Absolutely. Especially with a division rival. A division rival. Like a hated that rival. We have history with the Eagles. That's ridiculous. I mean, I don't think it gets any lower than that. I can't think of any worse of an example. I can't. I, 
especially the timing of it. Like, you can't get any worse. Um, because look at the the, the, like, only, the only thing worse, the only thing worse than that is that if Danny dies, Daniel Jones comes into Madison, comes into Yankee Stadium wearing a Boston Red Sox jersey. That's probably the only thing. Or, or Saquon Barkley would do it. Daniel Jones goes to where? It goes to Yankee Stadium and wears a Red Sox jersey or, you know, something like something to that effect. No, it would have to be the venue. See, it would have to be the venue where you play your game. See, Jalen walked into the garden, so Daniel Jones would have to go into MetLife with something like. Wearing like a Red said, Sox like jersey. That. So yeah, like like week it would be like week four ish when let's say Yankees Red Sox playoffs and he's going in there yeah it would be have to be something that equivalent absolutely it would be disgusting so it would have to be early in the season for the Giants where the Yankees and Red Sox are playing October baseball game seven ALCS pick a venue Boston New York right. whatever yeah it would have to be that that, that level like yeah like Daniel Jones, or say Colin Barkley either or like walked in to MetLife with a Fucking uh, Xander, uh, 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 fucking uh, I don't know. Give me a Red Sox player. Uh, I, I can't even think of Ozark? anyone right now. <laughs> he had well, a hurt that's song, exa- so that's because they, like a, a current player, a JD, you know, a, a JD Martinez or something like yeah, that. Yeah, JD Martinez. Yeah, right. Xander Bogart, um, the, the third baseman, whatever his name is. Yeah, those Ra- type Devers, of Devers, Raphael Devers. Devers, a Devers jersey or some shit. It has to be something like that. Yeah, right, right. I, I couldn't wait to I'm ask sorry. you that question. That shit happened. When I didn't see it live, and then I saw the pictures floating on the social media. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? No, no, no. Um, that, that is, that, that, that is I, that's I, bad. I, I, that's obviously, bad. obviously, going in, going into um, this past Sunday, you know, getting ready for the, you know, for the Giants Eagles game. And, you know, you know, I have a lot of connections still back in Philadelphia. And my boys, of course, let me have it. They let me have it. It's like, isn't this y'all point guard wearing our colors? And I'm That's like, crazy, man. Oh, he went to he went he did go to I, school in Villanova. So, but I, I I I'm sorry, no, no, I I I can't. I, I don't can't know do about that, that man. I, I'm, yeah, that that is that. Is I can't bad. do that. Like I can understand that if he did it this week. Not even. Eh, no, I don't know. I don't think he should have even done the period. Like, like you crazy, bro? Like we, Nick, no, Nick maybe, maybe, Julius Randle maybe if it's a Super Bowl. Year. I would. I would. Yeah, listen, that might be the next time you get on the Orange and the Blues Part Two or something. You guys gonna have to bring that up, man. Like you have to put. Like if I if he really got on my bad side, he's not really on my bad side as far as play on the court. But if he did something like 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 if he his play deteriorated, yo, you know, Nick fans get on players and we traded them and Nick former Nick players old trash them. Like this is legitimate shit. Like I would, I would have his picture in that Eagle jersey on the jumbotron if he's like no longer on the Knicks to boo the shit out of him every time he touched the rock. Like you just don't do that. You don't do that. Nah, nah. I, I, I mean, I get it that you know we're all sports fans, to, you know, and and we we're gonna root for our team, whoever they are, from wherever, you know, depending on where we come from. But there has to be a level of decorum, and I think this is something that you and I and, right. and Dom and and, and and we're gonna have to you know dig into this one, into this topic of the rules of fandom, because there there has to be some some spoken and unspoken rules about your fandom how it and how it's perceived because 
and this would be a perfect example because if the star point guard of the New York Knicks comes into Madison Square Garden wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jersey, oh the week goodness. that the New York Giants are about to take on the Eagles in the NFC Divisional Round, I'm sorry, but you, you, you're you just going to have to can your fandom for just a little bit and remember that the bigger picture of this, the New York sports scene, and not just the New York sports scene, but the sports scene in general in every in, in every town and every municipality and everything. Because I'm pretty sure Philly Talk Radio was having a fucking field day with this. And they were loving every bit of this, knowing full well that, you know, Especially considering how the other Giants fared in the divisional game, anyway. My last point, my last point, and, and you can take us home. Last point: Just look at Aaron Judge. He shows up to the Nick Cavs game, standing ovation. Night before that, he's at the Rangers, uh, the Rangers game. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. The guy has goddamn sense. Like even the giant coaches before they took over, like when they got signed in uh, Dayball and Joe Shane, the general manager, they showing up the Rangers games, playoff games, in, in their blue colors. They're not showing up in Red Sox colors. You know, you gotta, the guys, what are you fucking doing, Jalen Brunson? What the fuck? Like that, Again, that you know, see, it's like you said, that shit, that shit pisses off a fan like I me. Mean, you already know where I go with this. Like, there's Nick fans and there's just only Nick fans, so it just isn't really like me and you are combination fans. There's a difference. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. That's why certain players ride. Like a judge will go to a Rangers game in a Nick game. Like, like does that can, or Giants players after a big win in Minnesota, they'll show up to the Garden. Or Jet players, either or. Like, they'll show up to guard because that's how it rolls. Like, you don't do shit like that. Or you big free agent signings for the Giants, for, for the Giants or the Knicks, or or even the Brooklyn Nets. What do they do? They're 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 throwing up the first ceremonial first pitch at Yankee Stadium or at City Field, you know, for the Yankees and the Mets. So, you know, obviously that that goes hand in hand, and that's something that you know that it's like you know showing you know city pride. Um, and I think that's the that's a, that's a thing for us, you know. Since you, you and I are about the same age, you know, you know, early forties, you know, we have we take a lot of pride into you know where we come from and and the fan and, and the fandom that we participated in. But unfortunately, and this is something that you know that, that gets touched on a lot, especially on this platform, you know, we are into this you know fantasy bat fantasy league. Um, concept with with millennials and gen zers that they they don't follow the team religiously like we did they stick to the that's players true. and the brands and personalities and i feel that's kind of ridiculous especially when you're talking about team sports if there were boxers that makes sense if they're tennis players and golfers that makes sense in the nba nhl mlb nfl even major league soccer Pick a team and root for that team and stay devoted to that team. I don't want to see, you know, I, 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 I get it. You know how I feel about guys that wear different jerseys and they claim to be Knicks fans, but that's I understand your premise and I understand the, the reasoning, but it still annoys me. They booed Dillius Randle last year like he walked into the garden with a Dallas Cowboys jersey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They booed him. Like, oh, if boy. he did that, you, you should be booed all out of Manhattan. I would have had no problem with that. 
You know I mean, what? I mean, you know what? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look at the tape to see if he did that last year because that's probably okay. when the booing started. <laughs> I would love to know that. I don't know. I didn't know that. Like, I yeah. Let me know. All right. All right, man. We good? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look it up. We're good. So Nickelbacker Ave on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The Fan Forum returns next week, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, check out bleedlooshow.com um, slash podcast if you want to follow if you want to follow in the year in review on the New York Giants, and if you want to listen in on Rager Proud on uh, over the rink. Uh, until then, sangre azul all day every day, naranja y azul, orange and blue all day every every day. Nickelbacker Ave signing out. Good night, everybody. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue.